Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, everybody? Hope that you're doing well. This is Tyler Armstrong here with Thomas Winborn. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, man. How's it going for you? Man, I'm doing well. Just getting rested up from finals, finally, and uh, looking down the path to graduation in December with my MDiv. I don't even remember what that's like. It was so far away now. I blocked it out of my brain, but I'm sure it feels good. Oh, dude, it feels incredible. I will remind you as soon as the day gets closer. And I'll remind you when you're talking about doing a doctorate. <laughs> Thank you. Please talk <laughs> me out of it, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. All right. So um, let's just start this off. Who's got your ear this week, Thomas? Man, well, I, I would say this week, it's really last week, it would be uh, David Platt. All those guys for Together for the Gospel, they, their conference was canceled. Our staff was going to that last week right after Easter. And um, the, the live stream we were watching uh, throughout the week, I just am always moved by David Platt. And so actually, uh, during this season, my wife has been keying me into what uh, D- David Platt's been doing with his family. They live stream on Monday nights at 8 o'clock their worship at home with their family to show people kind of how you can do it. And so I've been real impressed with that. It's been really good for me, for my wife, from our, for our family to think through those things in a different way, from a different perspective. And so uh, he's really been kind of uh, in my head. Yeah, for me, um, it's been uh, Mark Dever and Jonathan Lehman. They do this uh, podcast called Pastors Talk. Um, I've always listened to it, but recently when I've been like on late night workouts and runs and bike rides, things like that, um, I listen to podcasts instead of listening to music just so I can just engage my mind um, instead of just kind of tuning out, just kind of engage my mind and be thinking about what they're saying. And I really like what they have to say about, you know, pastoring through suffering, pastoring in the midst of this pandemic. It's been really insightful. Um, who are you worshiping with? Well, so for a little while now, I've been listening to a guy that comes out of one of the guys we've been talking about lately. Mark Comer is a part of a church out uh, out west, and uh, I'm not sure how to say this guy's last name. I think it's Matthew Zygenis. His album that's recently come out is called Overflow, and uh, particularly his song in that album called Come to the Waters. I just really like that. It's been really just pouring grace into my heart as I just hear the gospel through that lens. Uh, that's been really good. What's really funny is, is you actually sent me this album one day in a text message and I was like yeah 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 cool I'll check it out and I never checked it out and so one night I was actually watching their live stream I should confess to you I didn't check it out Um, I was watching on their live stream that night and I saw it and I was like oh my gosh I love this song and I went and looked it up I was like oh this is the album that Thomas sent oops (laughs) so um, I really 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 I would recommend this album wholeheartedly okay so for me I'm just gonna be real with you Um, I've been listening to a lot of hip-hop music and so and now you may be wondering how can you worship to hip-hop oh you can all right there are some good gospel hip-hop out there i love lecrae's new song set me free um he just dropped it uh, really interesting with a uh, secular rapper by the name of y- uh, yk osiris and featured him on there and so i really love this idea of you know shackles breaking free like i've been set free by the gospel um it's been really empowering to me i listen and, to it when i work out so man if you're gonna go for a, a guy who's just taking the hip-hop world by storm with truth solid biblically you can't go further than like down that road in a good way than lecrae i mean he's good yeah, stuff yeah lecrae sound is great yeah it's phenomenal it's it's crazy about how christian rap came from like even like 
I mean, I know from when you were like in student ministry. Oh man, when man. I left student ministry, the last thing I remember coming out that was anything close to what they would call rap was the album Spinning Round by DC Talk, their oh, first album. Gosh. And so when I came back and had become a real believer, like a decade or more later, it was like the world had opened up. And now it's light years uh, ahead. Uh, yeah, it's light years ahead. It's, I mean, like I was playing NBA 2K the other night, and 1K Few, who's a rapper with Lecrae's label, is a featured song on NBA 2K. Wow, that's pretty that, amazing. That, that, that's really cool how the yeah. gospel can break in those realms. Um, what are you reading right now? Yeah, so you know, as we're thinking more about what we're going to talk about today, I've kind of looked back over the books called Self to Lose, Self to Find. It sounds like a self-help book. It is not that. Let me just clarify that first. It's called Self to Lose, Self to Find by Marilyn Vansel. Uh, it's a biblical approach to the nine Enneagram types, which is a personality profiling system that uh, I think is very helpful for self-awareness. And she takes that and drops that into the context of the Bible and uh, helps us to understand how to understand understand our personalities and the differences that come along with that in the context of how God created us to be different, but to work together as one body in Christ. Yeah. And even to uh, echo, you know, talking about the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Um, I read um, Enneagram in the way of Jesus a while back. You gave it to me and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's a really quick read, but I just kind of just slowly read it because of school and also just to understand it, to absorb what it was saying. Um, it's a really good book about the different personality types that we engage with, the pitfalls of those personality types and how we can actually turn around and push those into, you know, healthy disciplines, upstream practices, downstream practices. I love that language that AJ Sherrill uses in this book. And so I've been really encouraged by that. Yeah, it's a good book. So, um, What's a book that everyone needs to read, get their hands on? Yeah, so last week we talked about the book I was reading when I had that major paradigm shift in ministry and life with Christ. One of those books last week we talked about was Francis Chan's Crazy Love. The, another one of those books at the same time was by Timothy Keller called The Prodigal God. In fact, Tyler, you preached the sermon that this is based off of yeah. when you preached in front of our church not too long ago. And um, it was really good for just helping me to think. We always think about the prodigal son, about the son who's left and gone arrived. Uh, but really the word prodigal means lavish and so it's the father who is lavish in this story and um, the prodigal God shows us in this book that Tim Keller wrote shows us that we also need to look at things from the religious right side of things where we can be overly religious and not gospel centered mm -hmm. like the older brother and it really opened my eyes to that I heard some talks about the same kind of thing around the same time but the prodigal God it's like a coffee table size book really yeah. small very easy to read very quick read I think everybody should read that book it, 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 it's it is one of the most life changing, eye changing books. I mean, like I mean, just just completely changes the way you view God. Yeah, I mean, which is sure. mind blowing. Yep. Um, I would just go ahead and say Desiring God by John Piper. Um, I read this book when I was twenty years old. Like I picked it up at a book. That a blows my mind that you read that at twenty years 20 old. Twenty years old, man. I mean, yeah. So just to put that in context, so I, I'm talking about a coffee table book. It's like maybe a hundred pages long. It's written with wide margins, even though it's written by a brilliant guy. And now you're talking about Desiring God, which is basically like dropping a fifty pound weight down on the table. But it is so worth it. And it is so thick. It takes a lot of work to go through that book. Yes. It is definitely top ten books everybody yes. should read but it is a monster book it, it, and it is and if you've never read piper before piper is very wordy yeah um, but it's a good kind of wordy it's one of those things i mean I, almost the way i read lewis you know c.s lewis you have to engage with him back up and go okay what did i just read and then re-engage but i read that book at 20 years old and i'm talking like 
paradigm shift, the way I engaged in worship, especially like desiring God in all of life, this idea of Christian hedonism of like, you know, pursuing God because he is the source of all joy and all pleasure comes from God. And so viewing all of life, uh, all of life as worship as a 20 year old, like college student. Just changed me forever. Well, a lot of people didn't like the idea he was bringing onto the scene with that book. That that's kind of his like best book ever kind of thing about yeah. Piper. You know, that well, I mean, I mean, his entire Piper website book. is yeah. like I mean, Desiring his ministry, God. Desiring, Org. Yeah, Desiring yeah. God.org is based off that. And that, the the thing though about that is, is that I believe he's right on the money when he talks about the fact that it's our joy. I mean, uh, one of the old confessions says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I think that's what Scripture lays out. It's all about us finding our joy in the Lord. And if we're not finding that here and now, then we're missing the point even now. Yeah. So why do we want to be in heaven? Why do we want to be with God forever if we're not even enjoying him right now yeah and so it was it was huge mind-altering book for most people that read mm-hmm. it include myself i just can't believe that you read through that at 20 i wish i'd had the chance to read that through at 20 and had already known the lord it would have it would have really catapulted me like yeah. you know, like it has you i'm sure for sure uh, down the path so um as we get into today's topic i just want to give you a little bit of background so i thought that i knew myself pretty well until Thomas Winborn came into the picture in um, September of 2018, is that right? 2018, yeah, yeah. and um, really challenged us in some self-awareness tools, specifically and 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 who we are as people. Because uh, you have to know yourself, right? You, it's just it's just something that you need to do. You need to know yourself. And I thought I knew myself, but I didn't. And we'll get there in a little bit. So Thomas, take it away. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about it, anytime you want to go anywhere in life, period, you need to know a couple of things. One, you need to know where you're going. And two, you need to know where you're starting from. And most of us are not self-aware. Yeah. We just do not know where we're starting from. We think we do, but we, we are. We might be somewhat self-aware. Yeah. And some people are pretty self-aware, but most people are not self-aware, or at least not as much as they need to be. So self-awareness, I would argue, is the first step to healthier relationships with God and with others. There's this vertical relationship with God, this horizontal relationship with others. Uh, it's all interconnected, and being self-aware helps us to have better and healthier relationships. So the best thing that we can bring to any relationship, let me put this out there, we're going to unpack this. The best thing we can bring to any relationship is our transformed and our transforming presence. That's Mm. the core and way of discipleship. That's That's the way of Christ, right? When we come into a relationship, what God's already done in our lives, our transformed presence and our transforming, how we then impact others with being self-aware, knowing how we need to rely on Jesus, how God's working in us, through us. Those things are how we actually live out this path of Christ, which is making disciples to the glory of God. So what what gets us in trouble, though, is not being self-aware. Yeah. I mean, self-clarity, self-awareness is crucial for maturity, relational vitality, vocational efficiency. Um, all those things are important. In fact, the problem with us is that we don't recognize where we're not self-aware, but most other people recognize where we're not self-aware, mm-hmm. but they're just too nice to say anything to us. Yes. I mean, I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I mean, just even echoing this, I mean, even recently, you know, it, it, within, I mean, within our staff, like I, there was a moment where, you know, I was, I was in sin and other people had noticed it. And even Thomas and, and, and other people on staff had noticed it. And I was not aware of it until it was brought to light to me. And I was like, man, I, I guess I was kind of aware of that, but now I'm really aware of it. And <laughs> sure. so, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, you gotta have that accountability there, but I think that so many people miss the idea of just knowing yourself, knowing your pitfalls, knowing your sins, knowing your predispositions um, that you kind of are drawn to just because human nature is just our flesh. 
Yeah, I mean, in the Bible, the greatest commandment, right, mm-hmm. is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. How can you love yourself well if you don't even know really who you are? And yeah. we all have ideas about who we are, but the problem is that our ignorance about self, our unwillingness to know self, that's what causes dysfunctions in our relationships. Um, and, and and actually knowing about self actually is kind of the guardian to make sure that, 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 that keeps us from being self-deceived. And so the big problem we have is most of us are self-deceived in some area. We all have blind spots. So, um, you know, what we want to do is help people become more aware. So I actually had an exercise I asked the staff to do before I came and they sent me the results of that so that I was able to step in and bring some of that to light just through a, 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 a thing called the Enneagram, which there's a lot of debate on the Enneagram. We can get in that to, a little bit later, but, um, it's a just a self-awareness tool. It's not an end-all, be-all. It's not the gospel. It's not scripture. But it does really mesh well with what we see in scripture about people. Yeah. And so it's a really helpful tool. And any tool we can find that brings some self-awareness is always a helpful tool. Yeah, I think that um, the thing is, is that so many people get so wrapped up in the Enneagram and they go like, hey, man, this is like incredible. But they make it the the means to an end, you know, like they, they make that the means to an end when all reality, it should just be just something just to kind of, just to look inside our hearts, look inside and and, and to really understand who we are and then how that can actually help us in our growth in Christ as a disciple, as an apprentice of Jesus. Um, so let me ask you this. All right. So how can we become more self-aware in our journey and, 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 and walking in, in, in our lives? So how is, what is the path to self-awareness? Well, I think, honestly, we are we are sinful, which means that we are broken in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're married. Yes. I'm married. I know one of the best ways I became more self-aware was when I got married. Yes. <laughs> now, there's two ways, I think, primarily that you become more self-aware. One is through traumatic circumstances mm-hmm. or difficult circumstances to walk through. Uh, another is, is through ways in which you're trying to discover things about yourself and you can implement things to help you learn that. So a lot of times we become more self-aware because we get in an argument, we have a, a major blow up in a relationship and somebody points out something we didn't know, we didn't understand about ourselves beforehand. Now, all of a sudden we're self-aware and we start second guessing ourselves because it happened in a traumatic moment. Yeah. Um, that is a, it's still a good outcome, but it's not the way we prefer to grow in self-awareness. So what are things we can do, tools we can implement that can help us become more self-aware? And the Enneagram is one of those. I mean, you've got other ones out there like DISC, uh, profiling, personality profiling. There's the others, the Myers-Briggs. You've got lots of them out there. The, what I like about the Enneagram is, one, it doesn't pigeonhole you the same way. Two, it brings into account if you're living in... Hold on in, really quick. Yeah, Break sure. down what you mean by pigeonhole, like how Myers-Briggs and DISC pigeonhole pigeonhole you okay so um they will put you into a category and say oh you're an extrovert um or an introvert well most of us know that we have extrovert and introvert tendencies Mm -hmm. now some of us lean heavier into one or the other but you're not always the same yeah Um, when you're in a relaxed position you might be more extroverted than when you're under stress yeah i mean i I joke around and tell tell my wife all the time that she's the most extroverted introvert that i've ever met yeah you know and i mean and in her myers-briggs she's an introvert Right. Like, and, and that pigeonholes her. But like when she's around people she knows, yeah. you know, she's she's open, she's talking. But then when she's like we're in a public setting, you know, I'm the one who's like all over the place, like bouncing off the walls. And she's more 
to herself in those ways. Let's just think about it like this. Uh, Of all the things we understand in the universe, one of the things we understand the least is the human soul. Oh, yeah. We understand, supposedly, we understand how the sun works. We understand why the universe does what it does in a lot of ways. We understand how planets are formed, how they rotate, uh, why the sun does what it does. But we don't understand very much about the soul at all. And so it is one of the most complex things in the universe. And I think that's because God created it in his image. Of course, it's going to be complex in a way different way than anything else. But to really get a big picture and understanding of that, we have to really strive hard to recognize that, that we need help. We need one another, all these things. So Myers-Briggs is talks about relationships, but it's not all based on you in relationship. Um, the same with the others. Enneagram, though, is all about your personality in the context of relationships with others, which everything in the Bible is about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with others. It's all in the context of relationships. And so the way you understand your personality is this. I'm going to give you kind of a definition to understand personality. The way you perceive information, the way information comes into your head, plus the way we process that information as it turns over in our head and we kind of process through it, that then equals the way we present ourselves to others. That's good. So if if information comes in, you perceive it, then you process it, and then you present yourself in a certain way. So uh, let me just um, put it like this. If I walked into this room right now and I looked at you, Tyler, and and I said it like this, if I said, hey, look up, or watch out. So, hey, watch out for this. You'd be like, oh, what are you going to watch out for? You know, because I'm in a calm state. I'm not bringing any kind of excitement. You're in a calm state right now. But if I came in, I was like, hey, watch out right now. You know, you would probably flip out a little bit, yeah, at least I internally. Would, yeah. You might hit the dirt. You might run for the, the door, whatever it is. But you do that because it's the same phrase, but it has to do with how you perceive that information. Now it feels threatening. Mm-hmm. Now it feels stressful. And so you're going to process that differently. There's a real threat in the room. And then you're going to present yourself in a different light and personality style than you would if you were in a relaxed state. Mm-hmm. So that just, that just goes to show that the complexity of our personalities. We're not always the same. We change in different environments. Um, the Enneagram helps to kind of point some of that stuff out. Yeah, and see... Uh- with a personality, you know, just learning about this and in in really in the past 18 months, um, our personality is just the part of the iceberg that's just above the waterline. I mean, you've probably seen the illustration of an iceberg. Yep. Um, the iceberg, so the majority of the iceberg is underwater. It's just a, a point above the waterline. That's all people perceive. That's our personality. What the Enneagram does is it helps to get down deeper to the part that nobody else sees that you may not even be aware of. Yeah. I mean, just being that tool. Um, one way I love the language that you've used is an MRI of the soul. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's this image of the soul that, that goes so much deeper than what we could even fathom so that we can grow in Christ by knowing ourselves deeper. Yeah, it's exactly right. And, and again, it's just a tool, right? It's not the end-all, be-all. What we have, it's just like anything else. People go through Myers-Briggs or DISC, and they say, well, I'm an INTJ or I'm a whatever. Yeah. Um, and Enneagram can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can say, I'm an 8, I'm a 9, some styles. There's nine styles of personality. There's so many nuances that the number is just infinite in, in what you can be. So you can be a same personality style as somebody else and have a lot of differences. But uh, people can get caught up in thinking, wow, look, I've now identified. What, what the Enneagram is meant to do and in, in the, in the assessment that I use for that, uh, that's one of the best assessments out there for, for kind of getting down into the nuts and bolts and the raw data about what you reveal about yourself as you answer questions or as you you know give indications according to terminology. Um, when you do that, it reveals 
who you think you are in this particular moment, um, who you've matured to be. And it all comes from your personality has developed over time, over majorly at least five things, right? So the fall has impacted you, the, the fall, the fact that we are all sinful human beings, um, our family of origin, our DNA, how we grew up, what we went through, our mom and dad's DNA, our DNA, all the stuff we've inherited, life circumstances, the good, the bad, and the ugly that you've gone through has shaped you, the physical factors around you, what's been done to you, what you've done to others, um, and then personal choices uh, throughout your life. All those things impact you. By the time you hit 21, 22, 23, maybe older for some people, um, you've developed a personality that you're pretty much going to stick with yeah. for all practical purposes. Uh, and that understanding that is really helpful. Let me say it like this, though. We were created to be in the image of Christ. Yes. Now, each of us have a piece of that image of Christ on a nuanced way, a different personality, you mm -hmm. might say. Um, Jesus exhibited the perfection that we were created yeah. to look like. And so together as the body, we reflect that rightly. And so what we need to understand is that right now in our sinful state, especially when we're not self-aware, when we're not living in the spirit, but we're living in the flesh, or what some might call we're not living resourcefully, we're living unresourcefully in our sinful flesh, we are kind of like what would be called like a, a seed coating. Like a seed, when you take a seed and you, you drop it in the ground to plant it, it has a coating around that seed to protect it. So the things we've gone through in life, the experiences we've had, the upbringing we've had, we've created this coating around ourselves that's our false personality, our false self that we present to others to keep ourselves safe. Okay, So when we actually see a seed go in the ground, that false outer coating dies. And it actually kind of becomes a nutrient for the life inside the true seed, which grows out, and that seed becomes what it's always meant to be at that point. Same thing here. We want to become self-aware of how God created us to be, how we're not leaning into that. We're leaning into the flesh or sin instead of leaning into the way that God created us, living in the Spirit. And so once we see that and we can take steps forward to becoming like Jesus as a part of the sanctification process, then we can become who we're meant to be and we can truly flourish as God's created beings who are meant to image him correctly without fear of having to protect self we'll leave that up to the lord yeah and now we can live in the way we've been geared and created to live in so the enneagram is a tool to get us to that place it's a part of the disciple making process before you can um, really help others to grow in a lot of ways you need to understand things about yourself yes so you can do that you can make disciples but there's going to be areas you miss because you don't even see some things about yourself that need to change so becoming more self-aware is a huge step in getting healthier so you can help other people get healthier as well. So let me ask you this question. So where does all of this, what we just talked about, where does all this play into um, this idea of becoming the church that Jesus intended us to be? Like, where does all this play in? Yeah, so I, I think most of us think that we are more spiritually mature than we really are. For those that have been in church for any length of time, some don't. Some realize that they're really early on the journey. Um, a lot of us, though, have been in church for a while. We've been in Sunday school for 10 years, 20 years, even five years. We can feel like we've kind of we've kind of arrived. And we know that you know, we got room to grow, but really, I've, you know, I've learned, I know the Bible stories. I can find anywhere in the Bible I want to find. I've memorized a lot of scripture, but that's not really the issue. The issue is, do you look like Jesus? And most of us would be like, well, no, you know, there's a lot of areas I don't. And here's the thing. Some of us think we do look like Jesus and it takes somebody else to help us to understand that we don't look like him as much as we think we do. That's mm -hmm. why I actually, when I do interpretation for personality profiling with Enneagram, I love to do that with couples so that 
one spouse is hearing about themselves, how they answered questions and what they're revealing about themselves. And inevitably they'll go, Oh, I don't think I'm like that. And their spouse will look at me and go, Oh no, you're exactly like that. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's really, that happened yeah. with you guys. Yeah, it, it was did. really helpful. In fact, I would say that uh, after Carol and I did our uh, premarital counseling, the biggest thing we've done to help our relationship was to go through the Enneagram process. Um, It really showed us where we needed to grow and how we could even understand that some of the things that frustrated us about one another, they're not real things that are meant to be frustrating. They're things that are just our personality. And it really brought a lot of good healthiness to our relationship. We're still learning about ourselves because of what the Enneagram revealed as a tool for self-awareness and trying to live in that several years after Mm -hmm. we first got introduced to it. Yeah. And even, I mean, even not even marital relationships, let's just talk about interpersonal relationships, like working relationships and friendships. I mean, I mentioned earlier, there was this, you know, something that crept up and, you know, I had to own, I had to, I had to confess sin. And I was like, man, like, where did that come from? Like, I knew it was there. It got brought out into the open. So I confessed this sin. And so I I went to Thomas uh, about a month later, two months later. And I was like, Hey man, like, can I look at my Enneagram scores and, 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 and just look at this? And I looked and there was this one score that was higher that I did not realize was there. And I was like, hold up, let me read about this personality type. And I was like, oh my gosh that is like where that comes from. Like, like there, there was something that happened within my life, you know, physical factors, all those five things that happened that influenced the side of me that I thought wasn't a major player, but it actually was a major player in who I am. And that's, what's so interesting. And so, like you said, it's, it's not as nuanced. Like it's, it's not pigeonholing me. It's actually helping me to see these sides of me that I've actually kept hidden and now that they're out, I've actually been able to actually, in the words of John Owen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That sin was eating at me. Can you go a little more specific in that? I think it'll be helpful. So just talk a little bit about what was revealed through that scores of what you told the assessment and the answering questions, right? Um, yeah. That kind of was brought out and you saw that and it correlated to the problems that you had seen. So, so yeah. So like uh, just, just being very specific. So I'm a seven wing eight, which is, you know, just enthusiastic, but that eight wing influences me. But there's a th- there's a three, and the three is an overachiever, this kind of success driven person, which is me. I mean, I do have that inside of me. But a non resourceful three, which is what I scored highly on, can be deceptive. Can you know you know just essentially do whatever it takes to get to the top, which. I will do that. And so kind of what happened was, I mean, just being just very confessional, you know, there was a, there was a moment where I would take something and kind of stretch it to make it where I look like I had done something that I hadn't fully done yet. I mean, someone just call that just be outright a lie, you know, and I, and I would not own that. And now I own that, you know, and I, and I realized that there was actually a pattern of that over my life. And so having the self-awareness to see that and now knowing that that's a, something that I was actually, you know, inclined to do because of my flesh and I knew that was there but I wasn't self-aware I thought I was but now that I know that's there I can kill that sin you know I mean just 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 chop the head off of it as much as possible and just continue to fight that sin and I know I'm going to fight it but I would say now you know almost a year later you know I feel like I'm healthier from that yeah, that's the thing, right? So you just you just made the point for why I love the Enneagram over other personality profiling. So a lot of people don't like it for all kinds of reasons. There's a lot of junk out there from the Enneagram, people that do interpreting in weird ways. But what you just said is it, it showed you that you're scoring high in an unresourceful or fleshly sinful way in an area that you didn't even realize was there. And when you had to face it, 
what is it? You didn't just stay in it and say, oh, well, I've just got this three thing. No. That's who I am. No, you said, okay, so now how do I live more in the spirit here? How do I live into a healthy way depending on Jesus in these moments? And so what it does is it shows you where you're, where you're not healthy, mm-hmm. and it says, okay, so here's an area you need to work on to be aware of, self-aware, so that you can then lean into the Lord, not so you can be becoming healthier of self, but so you can lean into the Lord, and the Lord can change you from the inside out as you lean into him for strength and for that change. Yeah, that's the most life-changing thing to me about this personality assessment versus anything that I've taken is that it shows you your the, the sinful side of you. Yeah. You know, like, like a lot of these personality assessments say, well, this is who you are. And it's like, yay. I mean, you, you, you see these things on Facebook, like what Harry Potter character are you yeah. and, all, and all these yeah. things. And when you realize like you're charmful and you're how these things you know the Enneagram, like in a lot of ways, like, hey, listen, like one of the things that I realize about me is that one of my one of the sins that as a seven that I'm just inclined to is gluttony. And my wife was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much more sense because I just <laughs> right. live life with like, take everything in. We got to just keep taking it in. Right. And so um, it's just so funny. And now that we're, now that she's aware of that and I'm aware of that even more so, you know, I, I didn't realize, yeah. I didn't realize that. Sure. And so now that I'm more aware of those things, it helps me to grow deeper in Christ and find my satisfaction and my fulfillment in him. Yeah. And let me say this too, because I think it's really important. We've talked a lot about a, a personality profiling tool the Enneagram. But let me just say this. There's a lot of crud out there. I kind of mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of stuff out there that are just kind of whack. There's also assessments that are called Enneagram assessments or Enneagram tests that are real kind of chintzy. They don't really give you what you need to really yeah. understand. And even the results you get back from them are so broad. Mm-hmm. They're not really helpful. Um, sometimes they're even just all flat out wrong. So one of the things that we're putting on the schedule soon is to do a webinar that will let people go ahead and get assessed for the Enneagram. You do that through a place I would suggest going to the Wagner Enneagram Personality Style Scales, Wagner's Enneagram, W-E-P-S-S dot com. So that's W-E-P-S-S dot com, Wagner Enneagram Personality Style Scales. Um, take that assessment. It costs you $10. You pay them. Uh, you Basically, better to do it on your laptop or your desktop than it is on your phone or your iPad because you're going to get a word. I think it's 200 words. Yes. You, if you don't this, understand. Th- this, this thing does not take... A, a quick minute it takes it takes it takes a while yeah, yeah. So, so you need to set aside some time you know put the kids down 30 minutes to an hour yeah i mean for, for sure people so. yeah so when you mouse when you put your mouse over the word it'll give you kind of a definition if you need that to understand and then you say if this is like you or not at all or in between so when you do that it's going to kick back scores to you it's going to give you a real general statement about your style yeah don't even read into that Get it to me. Let me see it, and then I'm going to do a webinar. So you send it via email. Just send it via email at thomasww at twelfth.co one two th.co. Send it to me, and then I like to see it. And then what I want to do is I want to actually teach. What I do is teach others how to interpret your own scores. I mean, this is self-awareness, right? So we're going to teach you how to do that. So we'll do a webinar. We'll advertise it. We'll let you guys know about it ahead of time. You can take this assessment, and then I will then break it down. What we'll do in that day, though, is it's like if the Enneagram is a big pool of water, we're going to dip our feet into it. That's all we're going to do. There's just too much there, but it'll be a good start anyway. And anything you can do to take one step forward being self-aware will help you then to better understand where you are so that you can understand how to get to where you want to want to be which is more like Jesus and being apprentices to the Christ uh, which means we'll actually become the church that Jesus intended yeah and I mean like you just to echo what you said last week we want to see everyone in our faith family take one step forward in their journey with Jesus 
and then one more step forward and one more step forward and so on. This is just one step for you to grow more aware. So be staying tuned to our Facebook page and through any and through your communion app and any other means that we're going to be communicating to you. And um, even if uh, you are outside of our faith family and you're more interested in this, please contact the church um, and contact Thomas via email. You can even contact me uh, through my email and we will uh, get you more information about this. But b- please stay tuned for more advertising about that webinar. I'm really excited about this opportunity for us as a faith family to grow more self-aware. Be sure to tune in next week to the ReChurch Podcast.